Hi, it's me, Neil Brennan. You're watching the Blocks Pack. Oh, God damn it. Let's just I leave blew it. it. I Let's blew just... it. No, I know, but I blew it. And it I feel. in front of one of my heroes. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I talk about this guy every episode. Uh, he's the paterfamilia. For, is that right? Is that the yeah. thing? Uh, he, it's, all this is his. He's the exec producer. Not credited. You'll get no money. <laughs> oh, I had a bit where I was going to hand you a, a <laughs> envelope, and I forgot to do it. Yeah, uh, one of the best come on, uh, one of the best comedians. Another fuck. I'm really in my head about this. One of the best comedians doing it. Mansplaining. If you're not aware, it's when a man tries to explain what you already know in a patronizing manner. <laughs> it's when a man. It's me. <laughs> tries to put clever, clever thoughts into your pretty little brain. And a great man. Easy for you to say. Well, a great man in terms of uh, been a friend, like literally not only like gave me the idea, but been a friend, defended me, uh, and stood on uh, with with me in various times, and a true uh, resource in terms of just comedy and pitching and all that stuff. It's Jimmy Carr, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, yes. I, I, it's, it's such a pleasure to be here. I've loved the show. Yeah, I've absolutely loved it. Like, it's, there are people that watch the show that always has notes. Basically, every episode when we were talking about the carrot top episode, for instance, I love it. I, it just feels like it's a very interesting kind of space to come on, and you know, because Blocks is such a it's a great special, right? And it feels like everyone uh, in comedy could have written something like that, could have been that open, yeah, about their mental health and their life, and they aren't, and maybe it leaks through a little bit. I think comics leak. Yeah, you watch an hour special with me. It's just it's I'm a joke to joke comic, and that's an insecurity that we'll get onto later. I feel <laughs> sure in this, but the idea of you go, I never feel like I'm enough. I always yeah. feel like I, I just need jokes. I don't want to waste anyone's time. I'll just get to the next thing. They're not interested in me. They need to laugh. They've come here for a reason. I'm providing a service, and that's great. But the idea with blocks that you kind of you open up and talk about what's really going on with you, and then you you make it. I mean, it's hilarious. It's a yeah. hilarious special. But that thing of like coming on and sharing that, it's, it's interesting, right? I think it's the most interesting. I'm worried that it's everything's pathologized now, and everything is like my trauma and my uh, and well, the, I mean, the trauma bit in in the new one is yeah phenomenal yes thank you but now i'm worried not like i'm on the wrong side of it but it's so it's like for instance everyone said i'm rick james bitch and you kind of feel like ugh. no after you, a you while just, you were just too close to it i think sometimes when you're too close to it when you're in the zeitgeist uh you you can't see it you know i could see it, but i it just felt like it was being ruined by the wrong people so i feel like in a way trauma is being overly used i think great no no I one has let's, let's overcorrect that's overcorrect because no one was talking about it. There is a mental health crisis in the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, look, you only have to look at, you know, young people committing suicide. There's terrible things happening out there. Yeah. People opening up and talking about what it's like to be a human being seems like a very, very healthy thing to do. Not a huge part of your childhood, uh, not a big part of mine, or indeed our adolescence and, and kind yeah. of, you know, lives beyond. So this is all very healthy. Great. And I feel like I was there pretty early, so yeah. I can stand on it. Sure. But I do, I have no... I have made a point of talking about like post-traumatic growth as like, no, you can grow, you can grow from these things. Yeah. 
And there's obviously a lot of upside to feeling like you're well, not enough. One of the smartest things you ever said to me was there's not one type of therapy. What therapists should have to tell you by law in the first session is there are other types of therapy available. This isn't it. Because I don't really see the point in going to Freudian analysis for 20 years to find out it was all your mother. Yeah, you could, which yeah, but, you knew. But what am I going to do with that? Yeah. Well, what do I do about it? How do I grow Talk corn? to me about it and I'll charge you. Yeah, let's get on to blocks. I want to talk, a, but I want to talk about a little bit about how Jimmy and I, when we're in Montreal for the comedy festival, which is about six days, we go on, they're pretty romantic walks. I would say, yeah, I would say if you, were, about, if, if you were remaking Brokeback in the modern age, you would go on a very long walk and eat a nice vegan meal and discuss comedy and life. That's, yes. that's all there is, right? Yes. And sure. it's philosophical and they're long walks. So we burn the calories. I put down the vegan sword and we get dairy queen we they are long there's up a hill there's down the, it's the whole it's, thing in the most beautiful city in the world i can't understand why more people don't go to montreal for a holiday for a vacation i agree because you go well what do you want from a vacation you want fun mm-hmm. you want to have a laugh you want maybe a few drinks and nice weather well montreal's and you can got see the best comedians in the world and, and you can meet them you can see yeah. them see them i mean they're, they're, they're there hanging around if you're super into comedy it's like it's the place it, because it's an invitational like the edinburgh festival is phenomenal in scotland but some people are having a bad time not yeah. everyone is winning and they may not be great at comedy but everyone is winning in in montreal it's invitation only Every, i mean it might not be your thing i was thinking that thing with comedy if you watch a, a successful comedian and they're not doing well it's because it, it's not for you mm-hmm. don't worry don't try not to sweat it they're doing something that's not for you. You will three of the at least three, if not eight of the best comedians in the world will be in Montreal every year. Yeah. So have fun. It's it's pretty good. That's a good holiday tip for people. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean this is a strong podcast. Yeah. Uh, we're already doing yeoman's work. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like you do, you do your sh- you'll do roast. You'll do, it's like people doing a bunch of things. You, well, you I've do, seen some I would of the, think the magic of Montreal is you do stuff you would never do anywhere else. If someone else said to me, "Oh, do you want to go and roast someone at one in the morning?" Yeah. after you've already done two shows, so you go, well, "Well, no. Is it is there is there money changing hands? No, it's gonna it's free, it's just for fun." Ah, no, I'm gonna go home. But in Montreal, yeah, of course. Where's the hang? Yeah, you know, everyone's going to be there. Or, it's gonna be- or Jeff Ross and David Teller doing bumping mics or something. You go, do you yeah. want to just hang in the audience? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a great time. You, we've also, well, I, I consider you like a resource of friendship, meaning like you're you're very good counsel. Oh, well, that's very nice of you to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I feel like you feel that about me and you're, you don't want to say it. Uh, no, that's I was I was waiting, but it's that thing of, yeah, it is. it feels like if I just fire the compliment back at you, it's a, it's a, I love you too. But it is that, yeah, it is that thing where I do go to you for advice on things because you've got an incredible um, ability with friendship. Very few people do it like you in terms of you go, you do, we do very little small talk. Everything seems to go yeah. straight into kind of quite emotional depth. And there's a level of honesty that's incredibly unusual. I think it's, you know, it's one of the things that you go, you're... Uh, and we'll come on to talking about this later, maybe. But the your um, belief in fairness mm-hmm. is it cuts through everything. It's ruining my life. But yes, yeah. Well, anything taken to one hundred percent becomes. <laughs> I mean, justice taken to one hundred percent. You it's end a up with recipe for disaster. Four moves away from Stalin. It's you know. Yes. No. I, I I've come to that realization recently. Where I'm like, this is you are dedicated to your own misery. Um, okay, so let's talk more about. Before we get into this, you we're both very aware of how well our lives are going. 
I just don't want yeah. people to think that you're like complaining I, or I think the I mean my thing is the uh gratitude for me is the mother of all virtues. Gratitude allows everything else in. So it's not just gratitude for kind of your life in the oh well I'm glad I've got this show tonight with people coming. You go, well I'm glad to be a comedian. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to be living in this era. I mean, I do think it's the golden age of comedy. And as we're walking in, we're talking about like the Beatles, like being the first band. They got to do everything first. I feel like we're at that stage of stand-up comedy. Yeah. So it's a very new medium. Feels like it's an American medium. Maybe you could stretch American Jewish medium, really the, the language of it. And the idea that it's just coming up now and you have these incredible voices, Carlin and Pryor, uh, Rock and Chappelle and Louis C.K. and Bill Burr and these kind of voices coming through that you go, well, this is going to be, um, it, it's, it feels like it's such a privilege to be in this world now. Well, it also is a new, it's like the Beatles were the first rock band, but music's been present for, I don't know, I, 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 like Time written music. I mean, written music, let's say yeah. 1500, 1400, 1500, whatever. I don't even know when it is, but, uh, comedy is it's a new genre i don't think it's a genre of something no it's a whole like rock and roll was a genre of music i wouldn't say spoken comedy that's it's, it's from really 1940 1950 yeah it's it's there's that great uh what's he called cliff um huxtable no <laughs> cliff who's the guy that wrote the book the comedians Oh, Cliff Nesseroff, yeah. Yeah, that's a fabulous book. Yeah. I mean, really. And he's got a new one also. Outrage, yeah. Yeah, where Fantastic it's like writer. contextualizing comedians getting in, canceled and in trouble. Well, it is that thing where you go, I, I, I view this like in micro and macro. I kind of think like the idea that cancel culture is a problem is sort of horseshit. And you go, but but in a in a golden age, everything looks yellow. So, you you know, America and comedy... It's never been objectively better, but subjectively worse. Say more. So the idea, and I travel around America on this tour. I go to different, and this is the land of milk and honey. It is yeah. so fantastic. And to perform comedy here, I mean, the crowds are so up and everyone seems to be having a great time. It's the, the great places to eat, great places to live. Yeah. Like 10 cities you could very happily live in that are just yeah. great. And yet subjectively, oh, everything's terrible. We're, I know, think there's there's a civil war going on. You go, well, okay, but... Compared to other places, this is yeah. This is, is not great. a real civil war. And and uh, I tell you what was terrible: the civil war. Um, yeah. And then comedy, like there's a lot of. I think the downside with comedy is you're constantly looking at what everyone else is doing, and so you're looking over. Oh well, what? Hang on, maybe I should have a huge podcast. Well, that's you're fine. Do do your thing. Yeah. I'm trying to be more stoic. I'm trying to do less better. I think it's a really nice, like. Don't do Accepting well, the thing that I want to I I, we're I got do... it from this. I got it from this this podcast. I was listening to Pete Holmes on this. It's a great episode. I mean, he's such a lovely man anyway. Yeah. And he, he has this line. He says, "The world ordered a stand-up comedian. You got to honor that." As the person, like it said to you, you're a stand-up comedian. You were like, "Great, yeah. I'll try my absolute hardest to and be the, great at it." The other stuff is kind of a side hustle. The other stuff that showbiz brings along. But the great thing about being a comedian is. We're in show business, but we're not in show business. Yes. Like, like Carlin at, said to Rock one time, I'm not in show business. I'm a comedian. It's a great line. It sure is. Well, we're showbiz adjacent. We get to go to the parties, but no one is, is you know, if you've ever been with real famous people, you go, people lose their minds around them. It's a security people, issue immediately. Yes. We're, we're like, we don't need security. We can travel commercial. We're absolutely fine. And, and I'm, you know, and listen, I'm saying that here. And I imagine most people listen to this, listen in America and will go, well, of course you can. You're literally just a man. I'm yeah. a big deal elsewhere. I'll have you know. <laughs> travel. I'm a big deal. Um, okay. Let's get into the box.
Stuff on here I didn't know. Okay, which go, is great go ahead. for a five-year relationship. Enmeshed. Enmeshed. Uh, very, very close to my mother uh, growing up. And uh, How come? I think my uh, father was not. And so there's almost like you become a, uh, a substitute spouse. You become very close yeah. emotionally with your parents. He was not around or he was uh, emotionally not around? Uh, emotionally not around. You become very close to your, I became very close to my mom. Uh, and so that was a huge part of my childhood and adolescence and growing up. I mean, it really kind of follows you through. She died when I was about maybe 26. And that, that grief is a huge part of my sort of life and was a big turning point in terms of sort of pushing the fuck it button. Ongoing. Ah. I had a uh, separation anxiety in my life. My biggest fear was my mother um, leaving. There was an incident when I was, uh, I think it was three, and my mother's twin died. Mm -hmm. And so she had to leave to go to the funeral. No one really sort of told us what was going on. We kind of left with our father for a couple of days. And I thought, you know, that thing with kids, you you think it's forever. Yeah, it's object permanence is what they call it. That you can, they, you it's why see. people play peekaboo. Yeah. They go, I am here. Or I'm gone, and then you go, yeah, and, the, and then you go, ah, no, I'm, I never leave. Yeah. I am always with you, even when you can't see me. I think the the sadness of that death, which I wasn't aware of, but you get the- You feel it. You feel, you feel it, and you don't know what you're feeling. You don't know what's going on, but you go, oh, something's shifted. Something's yeah. sort of changed in this. The sadness of that, and then her being away, I was kind of always very worried about that. And mm -hmm. so when she died, it was the worst thing. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, grief How is, did you- Okay, well, let me ask this. Was it- so maybe the boundaries weren't great, meaning if she takes you on as a surrogate spouse, probably not the healthiest no, thing for a mother to do. I know far too much about everything. Far too much. Middle-aged woman's bodies uh, and stuff like that? Every, everything. I know way, way too much about that. So, great. But always you know, had great relationships with, I, I think, probably- But she, you, she, you're palpable love. Oh, and was so fucking funny. Had like ah, fuck. incredible charisma. Was incredibly depressed. I always think the only question to ask a comic, and really I think you should open with it every week on the show, if I had one note, which of your parents was sick? Every comic we know, everyone you've ever had on this show, which of your parents was sick and you had to make it okay? Yeah, I mean, terrible, that's a, that really is like Terrible the atmosphere thing. in the house. Yeah. How are you going to learn how to change the atmosphere? How are you going to learn yeah. to, the thermostat is very cold. You need to make things a bit warmer yeah. and nicer. I remember really clearly as a kid, like, my mother was cooking some, maybe Christmas or whatever. And I said, I'm going to go and watch this thing. She said, whoa, 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 whoa. You stay there. And I went, I'm not doing anything. She went, vibes. You're there for vibes. You're making this all okay. And, and that thing of like, you, you fulfill that role. You're a mascot. And then you slightly go, well, I, you know, you're drawn to doing that in, yeah. in adult life. But she was incredibly funny. And no sense of kind of embarrassment and was uh, a larger than life kind of Irish woman um, from Limerick. Nora was her name. Great. Just a wonderful, a, you know, a great company. And then I thought it was just so normal. You always think your life is so normal. Yeah. So you think getting home from school and your mother still being in the dressing gown and, and, and hasn't got up and ha hasn't got herself together cool. and isn't taking care of herself physically. Mm -hmm. You kind of, you don't want to give anyone a hard time. It's kindness in the moment where you let it go and you never question. Like, why are you not taking care of yourself physically? Why are you not? Are you aware that you're that a, a, a an adult is supposed to, or you don't even know that that's what adults? I think do? you. I think you do when you you start to be more aware of the outside world. Maybe it's from well, yeah, you go to friends' seven, houses, seven to fourteen. You yeah. see their house. You see how they're how they're living, and it seems different. Uh, but also, it will seem less fun. People always came to my house. Oh, I remember that's having this thing of like, so you didn't have that thing where you were ashamed of bringing people back. No, like I would have that thing of like, 
I would get home to my house. I remember like being at university and getting home and my friends, sort of Giles and Phil and, and, and Gerard. Being those are my, not just random British no, no, names. Those, those, those are, are real people. actual friends. And Hiroshi. Uh, <laughs> being in my house, having like having like I'd get home and they'd be at home having coffee with my mum. And you go, well, you didn't invite them? No, they were just like everyone would just drop by each other's houses or whatever. But you you go, but but I'm well, we're just chatting. Fine. You got her an hour ago. Don't worry about it. Do you feel Chatting proud away. of your mom in that? Yes. Like, could Great. hold her old, was like super, super fun. You're super close. She's a bit of, you guys are probably the co-life of the party, it sounds like. Yeah, I think we 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 had a great time. The, the, the block on that is I didn't have any relationships growing up at school and college. Didn't have Friends? Any, you did no, not? Lots of friends. Lots of, lots of girls I got on with. Never really had a girlfriend. Was up. it a what did because you didn't want to replace her? And looking back on that, I think that was the I was slightly blocked from that because of a very close relationship with it. Kind of no one was good enough, and it was there was kind of a it, it was a slight it's a slightly weird thing being enmeshed. It slightly feels like maybe a little bit too close there to to let someone else in. So you know that's that was that was an issue I think growing up. Did, was it a thing that? you were aware of in the time or you yeah i was i was kind of was aware that there was kind of something missing there something kind of i mean i also think i mean to be honest with you when you kind of look back at high school as well i think it was that thing of i i grew up in an era where it was very um what would you say unenlightened in terms of uh courting like so guys kind of had to were kind of pushing it with girls a little bit and yeah. i was very very uncomfortable with that um dynamic always so you got a probably probably a good thing in some respects. Yeah, it was just, it was pretty gross. Yeah, and very drunken and very, you know. Yeah. I was tiny and like at parties, I'd be like trying to sc- score, what we used to call score yeah. with women. Sure. <laughs> and it was like, I remember girls like physically overpowering me. Of yeah. like, you're not, no, you will not do that, which is so yeah. fucking, I'm so tiny. I wonder with that as well, with the, you know, growing up in that, in that era, the, I, I mean, you end up having lots of, you know, it's fun growing up and you don't feel quite comfortable in your own skin. You don't really become yourself. I think it's like, I don't think people talk about this enough. Your mind isn't developed fully till you're about 25. Yeah. And I really felt that switch. Which we didn't know until like eight years ago yeah but it really makes sense to me it really makes sense of like going there's such a hurry to get to someplace to make all your big decisions before you're 25 and it's a race and you go well no you know get yourself an education you know but yeah. but everyone is an autodictat right everyone is no one is still using the education they got it just needs to give you a love of learning even doctors like the best doctor you know ask him how much he's using that he learned at medical school if it's anywhere more than 10 percent yeah, the guy's a, a dummy. Go not to a different a, doctor. Not a good doctor. They're yeah, constantly it's a bit relearning. Like we're always learning the last war. You know, like it's like the the you fight the last war. Like right. you fight in Iraq. You fight with the stuff you picked up in Vietnam. Right, and yes. it, so it's always like old well, it's always politicians are trying to fight the last election. You never yeah. get to fight yes. that one again. Yes. you always have to go with the, your your ability to learn and 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 pattern recognition, which is what comics kind of our superpower. Yeah. is is what gets you there. What's it like when you go to university with your mom? Pretty, pretty uh, yeah, pretty, pretty good. In I mean, close touch too, or was it very the first close time you touch, were not in the same house? Close touch, but like, um, you know, she didn't take good care of herself. She died when I was 26 of pancreatitis, uh, which was a, a gallstone. I mean, it's really silly. No, gallstone's not that serious, but if you don't get it treated straight away and it was the wrong side of Christmas, she wanted to wait till after Christmas and one burst and... You get the uh, you know pancreatitis, which is a horrible way to go. It's like nine months of agony. It's it's 
cancer or it's no, just no, it's pancreatitis. Your, your pancreas just blows up, and you can't. And normally, it's for clean alcoholics it up, it. so to speak. Normally, alcoholics get it. So I imagine quite a lot of it in your family. I'm the guy, just saying. The guy, the guy does listen. Yeah. Uh, and was she bedridden? At, like very bedridden at that point? Yes, yeah, she was in intensive care the whole time. She, we had like two, three conversations for nine months. She was on a. Um, I mean, actually, the the staff at the hospital were fantastic because it's mm -hmm. it's all about at that stage. Um, they say there's no such thing as euthanasia, but there is. So they, they a, put a them, form of it. Well, they put them on on a on a level of so she would have found an epidural for the pain. Um, and then it just gradually sort of shifts up to where your lung function goes to nothing. So there's a, you know, they tell you sort of, you know, five hours in advance, six hours in advance of the death. Oh, it's going to be today. It's going to be this time. And yeah. they do, you know, the week before it's going to be next week. Yeah. And, and it's, and they're it's weird as well the on... way the mind, I remember on the first week there, I met a young doctor and the doctor went, yeah, this is just, there'll be, there'll be ups and downs, but this is, this, this is, is it. it. This is it, man. And it was very kind of him. I totally forgot the conversation. I mean, totally blocked it out. For that nine months, you and then, forgot And then went, it. oh, yeah, no, that guy said, oh, yeah. Um, and then it's a weird thing with grief. When you know it's coming, you know they're going to die, and then they die, and you go, ah. Oh. Okay, so when she dies, around the time she dies, did you feel a little liberated or total devastation? Uh, very liberated. It was the, um, and totally devastated. But the, the liberation was more like, oh, the, the thing I feared since I was a, a baby had happened, and it didn't matter. Nothing mattered. It's, so the, you've escaped the, from from jail in a way. Well, the, but the ability to go out and do what you wanted to do and not care what anyone else thought. So a lot of me going to Cambridge, a lot of me like getting into the best university and doing well and getting all my exams and things was to. She used to refer to me in the in the biblical term of like she got religious when she got older, very Catholic, and uh, she would refer to me as my son in whom I am well pleased. In kind of an ironic kind of fun yeah. way, but like she was really proud of that. It really meant a lot to her. Like the, the bragging rights for parents, your kid getting into Cambridge means so much more than for the kid. For the kid, right. it's like I went to university in the 1950s. Like everyone else was partying and doing ecstasy at university and I was having sherry at a drinks party. We're going, the fuck is all, what? Yeah. It was, it was a weird place to go. And like everyone there is sort of having the same experience? Every, or... Everyone there, I mean, it's where I believe they invented imposter syndrome in Cambridge University because everyone gets there and goes, but I was the smartest kid in my school. Right. The fuck? And then we'll come on to talking about my education naturally flows from this. Of like, I was pretty learning disabled as a kid. Put a pin in that. What's the best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year... You can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've been learning in the real world. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove that Babbel's better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel has over 10 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Again, I've been going to Spanish-speaking countries. A lot of went to Spain, go to Mexico fairly often. Babbel has helped me. You use the app, and then you're at a restaurant, and you just are like, ¿Dónde es el baño? Like, super things, like, where's the bathroom? Like, it's just shit you're going to need. It's easy to learn, like, how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants. It's about... A having a little bit of confidence. I always say the sign of being able to speak a language is mumbling it. 
And Babbel can get you there. You have to bring your own mumble, but I can teach you the mumble. Here's a special deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash B-L-O-C-K-S. Get 55% off at Babbel.com slash B-L-O-C-K-S, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash B-L-O-C-K-S. Rules and restrictions may apply. So I, I would think that you now are your proclivity is to get enmeshed with women. Uh, I, I mean, you're married, so... Yeah, it, no, I'm, I'm not married. Uh, yeah, or I'm, you're yeah. together. But the, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that thing of like, I've got a pretty great relationship with, uh, with my other half, but you go, I don't think it's particularly affected that going forward. I don't think I've like carried it into um, adulthood, but... I it would I, be professional relationships if you're, because you're, you have a person, it would, the only place, the only other place you could do it would be at work, right? Or I, think, I guess just personal I, no, friendships. No, I think maybe in friendships or whatever. I like to think that I'm, I'm. I suppose the 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 everyday parlance would be ride or die. If I'm your friend, I'm your friend. Yeah, and I've got you. I've and, I've experienced it. Yes, and and that and that's and I view that as and an I kind of feel the same way. Important yeah. part of life. And and when people let me down, then I really feel that it doesn't happen very often. But if I get let down or I feel betrayed, it's like ah, just I'm not. That's... We got into a good habit early where if you did something that I was out of bounds, yeah, I, I can think of two times yeah, and you great. immediately, one of them I wasn't even done saying yeah. and you were like, I know. And it was very heartening for me. And and we had one like last week about a joke. So, and you were not, very not like- a joke, it was a point. Yeah, it was a point. I don't yeah. do jokes. It was, no, it was a really, it was a really good point. And yeah. I'd forgotten that you said it. Yeah, it was fine, and it was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. But it is a very, yeah, that thing of like going, we're, we're good at that. I think the the checking it, and yeah, also I, I think respecting someone else's like the the fairness wouldn't be as important to me as it is to you. But that thing of like, I respect that's your sort of special skill. I think I get a lot out of this friendship because I know it's it's on these terms. I don't think it's more mine than you. I think it's shared. Yeah. I would say. What was the uh, runoff? What was the downstream effects of the enmeshment with your mother? I know mean, it's hard to it's hard to call. I think the right because um, we have so many inputs. And but like, the but mm. the uh, you you don't realize uh, it's a matriarch until they're gone. So the whole thing fractures, and there's just boys left. And you go, oh, well, two brothers. Yeah, but boys don't really the birth birthdays forget it, Christmas forget it, like, mm-hmm. all the nice things kind of went for a while. You know, home isn't a, a place; it's a person. So you're homeless for a while, mm. emotionally certainly. So that's that's a that's tough. And then you find that again, you sort of build that again, and 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 find something that's you kind of remake it. You remake what you lost, or and try and make it better. You know, which is you know, you know, now I can I have. Did the relationship with your father change when your mother died? Uh, I haven't seen him since really in any meaningful way. Great. Uh, Not is, really, but great in terms of just conversation. But in terms of, in terms of this podcast, right? I mean, it's fucking right. It's tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, yeah. But that's like a whole other, you know. Um, a different episode? Well, it's not a different episode. It's that thing. I mean, it's literally the line that we spoke about. The narcissist line, yeah. which is your line, please. The line is uh, in terms of narcissism, they have the disease, you have the side effects. Jimmy tried to sell that as his. You yeah. can imagine. I mean, it's I I almost I I wrote it, and I kind of think it's yours just because of the accent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so, so that's a bad. That seems like a very bad relationship. Yeah, that's a bad relationship. But then I think it. Well, it's it's not because you go. I think uh, the thing that I got from 
uh, Al-Anon and reading a lot of the Did Al-Anon you go to a lot stuff. of Al-Anon? I didn't, didn't go right. to a lot. Didn't read go, a lot. but yeah. Read a lot of the stuff and kind of yeah. and really liked it. But that thing of like detaching with love, the, the idea of going, I don't want, I don't, there's no bitterness. There's no sense of you want anything bad to happen. You just go, well, that's not good. It's not good for me. I don't want that person mm-hmm. in my life. And so I won't have that person in my it's life. It's hard to get rid of that stuff. It just is. I, 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 I think I've not done it finally, but like I've come to a new. Uh, but then, you know, you stuff with your father, I'm very aware of the is, uh, it's, it's tough. And then you're kind of looking for, to fill that hole. You're looking to kind mm-hmm. of replace that. Who are we trying to impress? Yeah. What, and were you t- trying to, it seems like you were trying to impress your mother. Yes, much more so, yes. Is it one of those things where you think if I still mother- find myself now when I do things going, oh, she would have thought this was cool. Like yeah. playing Carnegie Hall or something like yeah. that. Then going, oh, this would have been, th- yeah. She, well, that's she funny. Is you thought she wanted you to go to Cambridge, but if she's funny, she would be real pleased with you being a high-level comedian. I think so. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a sadness to think that you know she won't see that, but you can't. But there's a bit of you that kind of you know kind of lives on. Yeah, it's spirit. It's yeah. maybe she feels it, or you know, yeah. or whatever. Okay, so let's get into the the learning disabled. Did you know you were learning disabled? Yeah, but obviously I wasn't the brightest, so not that aware. <laughs> I mean, like I knew socially I was pretty good with everyone else. Socially, I was in school and. I was at the regular school, but I couldn't read or write. I mean, I just couldn't. How so, old? Maybe 11 when I could write with any level of... Um, acuity. Uh, acuity. But I mean, even then, it was like very embarrassed by my handwriting. Couldn't really read out in class. Could read words kind of um, phonetically. Explain to dyslexia to, to people. Well, I suppose it's that thing where I don't even recognize what it's meant to be like. Like, I think ah. normally people write... And they just go, I'm going to write down this thing and just think it and write it. I have to think about every single letter as I write it. Every letter of the word has to go down in order. So it just takes a lot longer. So my reading speed is slower than my thinking speed. So like I'm much more on, I'm on audible at times three the speed. Because mm. that's the speed I think at. Mm-hmm. And I, so I like that. I, like I always think it's disrespectful to the author. Everyone sounds like Mickey Mouse to me. Everyone sounds like one of the chipmunks. Yeah. Like the greatest authors in the world sound like chipmunks to me because they're reading so fast. So I listen to everything at very sort of high speed. But but the- uh, I would like to show you pictures of chipmunks yeah. and ask you what author- <laughs> They represent. <laughs> yeah. the, but so it couldn't really write, can't really write that well now. I mean, like, you know, spell check is kind of everything to me. Okay, so dyslexia- I get the thing with spell check where I don't even know what you're shooting for. Like spell check just goes, like when it comes up with the word, they, I mean, give us a clue. Use it in yeah. a sentence. Give me more. You were just like, I don't sure. know what it starts with. Like, you, like the, if the words they suggest are like, I don't know what that word is. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? A, a little bit. Like, uh, like sometimes it will be just, I've got absolute sort of blindness on it. I can't see what the word Because what be. happens is, is the middle of the word tricky or the, the front and back? No, it's the, it's the whole thing. It's like, I wouldn't know where to begin. To, to, and there's certain things I've just got blindness with. The names Susan and Suzanne are the same to me. I cannot see how there's a difference. There's a weird. I, I'm kind of in. The, I think most weird, people are in the same boat. But a weird like. Uh, how, a, how could I tell the difference? That yeah, kind of thing. Like, just don't know. And then so, but weirdly then, so couldn't read in class, couldn't write, was kind of a dummy, and had to go to special ed, and then it became a massive source of, what well, you were drawn towards that. To go, well, I'll, I'll do that. I'll join the debate club. I'll, I'll, I'll show them. And I don't know who I was proving that to myself, presumably. But 
you would, you know, now what do I do for a living? Well, I do a couple of TV shows where I'm reading autocue, which is literally the nightmare scenario of standing up in front of people reading things. New Year's Eve can be a tough time for old people living alone, so what I like to do every year is not think about them because it's depressing. Oh. <laughs> do you memorise before? Well, no. Do you, just, does someone say it to you? Do you no, but I have market? it like, it's written in a really odd style. I got this great tip early on in my career uh, from Anne Robinson, the lady that used to do The Weakest Link. Oh, yeah, yeah. You are The Weakest Link. Goodbye. Met her backstage, she went, oh, yeah, okay, have trouble with the autocue. All you want to do is this. And you write it as it's, because spoken English is very different from written English. Yeah. So you put like way, like thousands of commas in everything. So when I write jokes now, thousands of commas, where the pauses are, where the, where the gaps are, like everything really as you would say it. That's fascinating. The phraseology, yeah. And but like properly, like I realize so I do don't. You, do you only do audiobooks? Uh, pretty much now, yeah. Because uh, I can't universal. think of a better read person than you. Like you're, ve- but you're not. You're not reading. You're listening. Yeah, just listening to stuff constantly. Yeah, I'll do you know three or four a week. I mean, I I love it. Podcasts and audiobooks, and I kind of think that thing of like, you know, I mean, I've said it already, but that ed- education being something that like people seem to. It's such a dumb system that we go and then it stops. Oh, I got out of college when I was twenty five. Never read another book. Yeah. What? Yeah, it didn't like, have to. Yeah, uh, I don't. I'm not obligated to yeah, do it, so I'm not going to do it. It's like there's a lot of good shit in books. Yeah, and, and or audio, you know. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but it, it does feel like cheating to me. But everything feels a bit like cheating. Like the way that I got through my exams. Obviously, I had to do very well in my exams to get to the university mm-hmm. I wanted to go to. So you can't really write that well, but you have to get A grade essays. And how is that done? And really, that was the first kind of thing of pattern recognition in my life. I remember my friend Pete Maxman, he's a wonderful guy and so bright, and he was the best at history. And my history teacher, crazy old dude, great, went. Just read his essays. Do that. And so it was like, okay, so you'd read his essay and see how he'd structured it. Okay. All right. Well, I, can, I can't I can steal the essay, but I can steal the structure for the, this yeah, other so topic. So back then you couldn't steal? Go so ahead. The, so the, uh, <laughs> but the, but for, the, for that topic, you could go, okay, well, for the new thing, you can get that structure and you learn what it looked like. And I think the same thing in jokes. I think when you start in comedy... You're looking at your favorite jokes and kind of, I was kind of looking at, why is that so funny to me? Yeah. You know, when I was looking at, I don't know, Emo Phillips or Wanda Sykes or Stephen Wright, and either kind of joke to joke, I'm going, well, why is that? Why is that so funny to me? Why is that line, did they start with that and then reverse engineer? And then, and they're almost like crossword puzzles, like, which I always found baffling, trying to reverse them and then getting very into it, like seeing the world in those. And spending as my crossword time. puzzles or joke uh, As crossword puzzles. I think yeah. that's maybe the, cr- the closest thing to it. It almost feels like with a great joke, it feels like, oh, the joke was already there. It was there and you just, you cut away everything that wasn't a horse from the marble. Like yeah. That old quote, you know, yeah. kind of, it was, it was in there somewhere. You could get to it. So you're very studied and not, it reminds me of the thing you were saying about therapy, which is, you know, there are different kinds of therapy. There are different ways to learn. Some people learn from hearing someone tell them about it. Yeah. Other people have to read it. There's a Five thing times, called, yeah. called uh, there's photographic memory. There's also phonographic memory. I think I may have phonographic memory. I can remember, like, if I listen to this podcast, pretty much name an episode, I tell you where I was when I heard it. Yes. L- like that thing of, like, I could tell you which airport I was in, what I was doing when I heard that bit that I liked. And I would argue that we're very good at quoting jokes flawlessly. Yes. Because you, you hear you, a joke and you go, uh, uh, okay, I can, da da uh, 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 uh. And then that's how yes, some the the rhythm of that the the the, the pacing of it the yeah you, yeah you you would be harder to get it wrong. I I had to look up phonographic memory because I was like I'm good at remembering the and I was like oh I can 
Yeah. I now I get it. Like if I could listen to an audio thing, but that's and then not. I think other people have it like in a in a different way as well because you know the singers I know that have like the lyrics just it's just in there somewhere. Yeah. And are you do you take any pride in that or is it just like survival? What the? Uh, you know, I was learning disabled and oh, oh, sorry, and then I got sorry. an Oxford. I, I, did I mention that you you said it right? You you're one of the most well read people I know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now that I'll remember because. I'm so embarrassed mm -hmm. at my lack of intelligence that I spend my life overcompensating or compensating for it. So I read a lot and I uh, I study a lot and I, I think I got my work ethic from being a dummy. So mm -hmm. you go, well, I feel like I didn't deserve to be at that university. I feel like I, I was a, that place should have gone to someone else and I better make this work. I better, I better do my best here. I better- And you weren't and... any sort of charity case. It wasn't like Ooh. this guy is not- <laughs> They don't they... read- they charge uh, Cambridge in the nineties did not do that. They, they this you had to be, uh, you had to be pretty good. And it was a very, I mean, it was a great course. It was really interesting. Okay, but what I'm saying is, are you happy? Do you take pride in the fact that it was over? I don't know, age eleven to seventeen, you really dug deep and figured it out. Yeah, I think I had a massive advantage in that when I was sixteen, I, I changed schools, and I don't think you ever get to beat your environment. So I, I think the hugely important thing for me was going, okay, I was 16, doing well at school, had my friends at that school um, at, who I loved, but they were just funny and we were just fucking around and yeah. drinking and getting into trouble. And we scraped through our exams and we're going to stay on to do the next bit, the last two years of school. And I left, I went to another school and it was my mother went, oh, there's this other school one of your friends goes to that we know from the village and it's a bus ride and a train ride and it's miles away. Do you want to go? Yeah. Why did you want to go? Because I kind of had a sense of not wanting to be, I knew what track I was going down mm -hmm. and I didn't like where it was going. I went, oh, okay, I'll go a different way. So I remember arriving there the first day and there was one other new kid, this kid Giles. And we went, oh, let's, I, I want to go to Cambridge. Mm. I wanna, and we both went, yeah, okay. And no one laughed. No one kind of went, eh, what are you talking yeah. about? And it was, re it really felt like, oh, okay, well, well maybe, maybe we're those kind of guys. And there was a couple of great, teachers there was a um this guy called mr clay and mr file who like the the and they were just fantastic they just kind of believed in us and it was it was that that thing of like the real cliche of going well that turned on a sixpence because then you were sort of down that road and you had more you know you have to give the world irrefutable evidence you are who you say you are and it was that thing of like okay well if i work hard at this it pays off later and, and that it, does that inform everything everything in your life for the I next I think so, yeah. I, mean, I think it's, it's the thing I've only kind of realized recently about, that's the whole of religion is that. The, ho the whole of religion is prioritized later. God is a, yeah. an analogy for the future. Work hard now, there's a great afterlife. Now, I don't believe in an afterlife, but I do believe in a next life. And if you work hard now- Oh, a next living a, life. A next life. Like, yeah. there's a life that you've had, like you don't recognize yourself from 15 years ago. You're a different person now because you, you put that work in and it's, you know, so- the gifts you give yourself in the future. The idea that you know, if you go and work out, you have a great body when you're 60. If you save the money now, you'll have you'll be a rich man later. Delayed that, gratification del is what the God marshmallow is, test is what, is what we're obsessed with. Yeah, yeah. That 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 whole thing is like prioritize later. Is every self help book you've ever read, every religion you've ever heard about. It's always do the work now and it'll pay off later. You know, it's interesting. It's, I don't think I mentioned the marshmallow test on here. The marshmallow test being they put a five year old in a room by themselves. And they say, I'm going to put a, an adult says, I'm going to put a marshmallow on the table and uh, I'm going to go away for five minutes. If 
I come back and you haven't eaten the marshmallow, I'll give you a second marshmallow. And biggest single predictor of success in life. Yes, is that not everyone's taken it, but all of in the t- times they've done it, the longitudinally, the kids who didn't eat the marshmallow in the five minute window have better life outcomes, which yeah. is just like, well, then there it is. It's just, can you delay gratification? Then you can, can you save money? Can you do hard work? Can you, with very little reward, it's stand up. You but suck, then but and then, you get I mean, no the, money, and then you just stick what you can take it. The downside is you get into kind of a philosophical thing. Not the downside, but the interesting thing, I think, is it's not the pursuit of happiness. It's the happiness of pursuit. Mm. Having stuff isn't fun. Getting stuff is fun. That's kind of life. That's a great life lesson, I think. Like going, you think you'll be happy when you won't. You'll just need a new challenge. I think yeah. we work very well with purpose. So it's that thing. I was slightly lost in my you know, post-college early 20s, mid 20s, like trying to find what I wanted to do pre-comedy. It was like quite a lost period of like, I, I don't know. Your mom died at 26? Yeah, about 25, 26, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then you felt like comedy, a, kind of. a new, it was like a period on a, the sentence of a life and you were like, okay, or in your case, a comma. And you start, you were like, okay, now there's no observers. This is how I feel when I'm in Asia, which is I like going to Asia because no one, I, no one's looking. No one, I, it feels like you're hiding they're, they're, from America. They're all looking at you. And well, they're all, all looking. Wanna... Yeah. But, but no one's, I'm there's a no... sex tourist. <laughs> all they're all I did a joke. Whenever I'm there, I do. I was like, yeah, I'm a sex tourist pretty much everywhere I go. If I go to Whole Foods, I'm like, I'm still a sex tourist. <laughs> I don't have to go to Asia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I like the idea of a, of a duo uh, or a start And that over. thing of like, we are who we are when nobody's watching. That lovely thing of going, well, if you're on your own, who, who are you really? And finding someone you can be yourself with, like properly yourself is, is very unusual I'm also in life. very highly uh, sensitive to perceived judgment. Like we're, what happened with the studio wasn't available. We got here or, or whatever. We, the times were fucked up. We went and got coffee. We are in my car. We're in my house and the whole, I'm not doing like, exactly like flinching but i just assume the judgment is in your head it's like what kind of house is this what kind of, what kind of car is this but you know and so even you're not judging i just assume you're judging yes but it's that um what's the quote it's the in our 20s we think uh we worry about worry about everyone thinking about us in our 30s we think i don't care what everyone thinks about us in our 40s we realize they weren't thinking about us the whole time At everyone all. is just doing their best yeah we are in a windshield flying past each other but then it's a it's a it's a something's got to motivate you right something's got to be the thing that and some with you it's the perceived slight is the is the thing with me it's like you know okay well i thought i was a dummy so i'm gonna have to work hard and do this and then maybe a little bit of insecurity is why i'm a joke to joke comic that really appeals to me of going i've just got to get to the next laugh quick it's the observation i had of like i come into every conversation five points down Mm. and i have to like okay ah ah and I'll do gossip if I'm really bombing. Like, ah, oh, here's a piece of gossip. Or here's a name drop. Or here's a, because I don't think I'm doing well. And I don't, I don't think I'm enough. So I have to come in and. Yeah. I remember having that realization with Joan Rivers. Uh, we got to work with before, uh, before she passed. And she was doing, we were taking her to dinner. Like, so that she was on our show in the UK. And like a proper actual legend. I mean, one of the. Yeah. And she was making notes. One of the absolute greats. Making notes in a hotel room before the dinner for the dinner like cue cards so she would have bits about topical stuff that she could throw in for a dinner with a bunch of 
What? Of course. And why was she one of the greats? Well, because of that. The yeah. thing driving that. Now, there's a weird thing with, you know, in our industry, you know, it's a, we've said it before, we'll say it again, comparison is the thief of joy. It's you're always looking at what other people are doing. Everyone always wants what you've got. They never want to do what you had to what do you to did. get it. Yeah. And not just the hard work, the emotional world. The torture. What you had to feel. I just, I'm editing my special. The watching yourself over and over and over is a recipe for an abyss. It's d direct, just go like. Well, the, I mean, the physical, we'll, we can come on to that now if you want. The the physical thing of going, being on screen or whatever, having a, uh, just, you, you look how you look. No one cares. No one's coming to see my show because of how I look. Yeah. And yet it becomes obsessive. The idea of, uh, taking care of yourself and being the right weight and being uh, properly groomed at all times. It becomes just a, a compulsion. Hey, if I asked you how many subscriptions you have to anything, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying for them? Cable, phone, gym memberships, any of it. Could you name them? If you would ask me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. And then I would have tried and I would have been wrong. I would have undercounted. There was one app, I won't name it, but it was magazine articles, audio. I was paying 10 bucks a month for that to hear magazine articles. Dating apps, not, Neil, not great. You, you don't need them, Neil. Couple dating apps, three. It makes me sound thirsty, but please, ladies, you know, you know where to reach me. Another speech thing. Just, I had a lot of garbage. Yeah, and the other thing that it does is it takes like ones where you have to call and like call again to they take care of it for you like you do nothing they had a gym membership that was a nightmare rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps lower your bills overall rocket money has 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of 720 dollars a year with over 500 million dollars in canceled subscriptions stop wasting money on things you don't use cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocket money dot com slash n-e-a-l that's r-o-c-k-e-t-m-o-n-e-y dot com slash n-e-a-l rocketmoney.com slash neil i've got a low level eating thing where i'm very i think about i don't have an eating disorder that you would recognize as one of the serious ones i think about food you a lot. don't you said you no, don't. I don't yeah, I, yeah i think about food a lot and i'm 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 this weight because i'm hungry a lot of the time i could be bigger but I feel happy. You were bigger. I feel happy at this weight because I go, well, actually, I, I don't think about it a lot, but I think it's partly my mother passing and not taking care of herself and being a little bit overweight mm. and wanting to take care of myself and be a, be a parent for longer. And that kind of, you know, all mortality, I, I, I think kind of grief is cumulative. You don't just grieve your, what you're grieving at the time. It's every time. It's all your grief, I'm assuming. Or is it you're taking on your mother's grief? I think you 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 go well. So when your mother dies, you you grieve. That's the first big loss that I had. But when friends have died since, even pets have died since. Sometimes just it will hit you in a way that you think was well, that commensurate. Is that emotionally? Um, yeah, I know them well enough to get your friend to Sean died. Comedian. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, uh, A. Gill died. I mean, it was it was really bad. Uh, but but some, uh, my my dog died about six weeks ago. One of my dogs that I had for fourteen years and was Mackie was beautiful, beautiful dog. And he passed and it was, you know, we did it really beautifully at home when the vet came to us. But all the grief from the past comes back and you think about your own mortality. It's mm. a cumulative thing. And I think somehow the controlling, you know, anyone that goes to a doctor should be consulting a chef first. Mm. It's that, that thing of like what you're putting in there. It's it has important. consequences. Yeah. 
has consequences down the line. We don't say that a lot because we want to be kind to people in the moment. To your mother, for instance. Or, yeah, you yeah. want to be kind in the moment. Whereas I sort of my, not theory, but I think kindness is incredibly important, but it's got a temporal element to it. You want to be kind in the future. So being a parent kind of teaches you, you want to be kind to your kid, but you don't want to buy them McDonald's every you day. You don't want to be so kind that it is a disservice. Yes. The, you, you go, well, you could give in to them all the time. They want to watch TV and eat junk food. That's what they want. Yeah. And you go, well, no, you're going to, you know, we're going to pretend to be different people than we are for the next 15 years. Pretend we love broccoli and reading books. Yeah. And that's the, <laughs> and that's how you that's will grow parenting. up. And then at one stage we'll go, ah, yeah, we love McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, uh, I have a hard time with that. Meaning I am very quick to go to judgment or go to like, well, if you really want to know. If you, you know, I have a friend who's having a drinking problem and I'm, I'm saying, yeah, you can feel sorry for yourself. You can talk about all the things that have been done to you. Can you stop drinking? Cause it's going to do a, it's going to do huge damage to you if you don't stop. And, and I, but at the same time, I'm like, I think I've been empathetic in the past, but now it's a bit like, Hey, if you want to, I also can't take on, uh, somebody like can you kind of help me with this i'm like if it's drinking i can't because i'll get too codependent and i'll get too forceful and i'll get too worried and if you drink i'll get super disappointed and judgmental of you and so that is interesting of like where do you draw the line with kind where does where does where does what's the when does kindness become kind of yeah toxic for a lack of a what's that word. what's that book the uh this uh this something mind this Naked Mind. Okay. This Naked Mind is a really good book because if AA doesn't work for you, and for a lot of people, it just sort of doesn't. Yeah. It's not their thing. So they go, well, I'll get California sober and just do it yeah. marijuana or whatever. Or, uh, you know, this book's really good because it's, it's the John Sarno, you know, the guy Healing Back Pain or the Mind-Body Connection? Yeah. Really interesting books on like back pain and how most of it's emotional in our society. The, the thing on his book, uh, Dr. Sarno, is you read the half the people you. read the book and their back pain goes away. Well, here's this guy. Uh, I read the book. I was in Lisbon. Just listen to it. Walked around Lisbon, had back pain. He said in the book, oh, the back pain will transfer into your shoulder for, for like a day and then it will go. Like it might pass through some of the bit of you. Woke up with a frozen shoulder uh -huh. and then gone. He just, oh, okay. I know what that was about. Great. What was it about? It was about my relationship with my father. Yeah. But it was like, it was just gone. Like, oh, okay, I've... All right, you kind of acknowledge that. And you, it was so quick and so it was kind of it almost felt like I feel like uh, a, a hippie kind of saying it of like, you know, read this book. It's certainly worth doing before you get the back surgery. Yeah. Before you get your scoliosis treated, uh, read the book. Because I brought it up on this podcast, for how long did you wake up every morning at the same exact time With and a panic go, attack? Oh, how, yeah. how long did that last? Maybe seven years. Seven years. I used to wake every up every morning, 4 a.m panic attack yeah that's pretty bad that's bad seven years did you that, do yeah. were you doing anything to counter it that time not really no i think it's like it's panic attacks are weird because you can i had one on stage in in australia once and i was like in front of four thousand people and the gig went great and i had a panic attack and it's I did know, you I had, say you were having a panic attack no uh i and did you listen I, back to the got, performance we've got panic attack stories right the um <laughs> the, yeah. we do um, <laughs> i the, should tell the story no, finish it and then I'll Okay, tell so, so the panic attack, like if, if you haven't had one, fabulous. 
and I, I you never need to experience it. Yep. But if you the first one is the scariest. After that, they're they're okay. The first one is like I can't. You get have comfortable no idea what's happening. Skin. Yeah. I I I can't stand up. I can't sit down. I don't want to eat. I'm hungry. I want to sleep. I'm not tired. I, like it's everything. It's incredibly uncomfortable, but you can function through it. There's no sense of ah. And I thought it's, there's something about my voice and the way that I present myself where if I say I'm very insecure and that's why I tell all these jokes and I, I, I don't, I'm not very self-confident and I think I'm a dummy. There's something about my voice where you go, you can hear it on one level and another bit of you is going, no, yeah, fine. Very successful British man. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But, but you have to be aware of how the world perceives you and then mediate between the two. It feels like, that, you know, sometimes like me having a panic attack because I don't sound like I'm having a panic no. attack. So, Okay. Did, did did it start? Well, I think on Caroline stage? is often surprised. Mother half is often surprised if I go uh, feeling a bit down. Yeah, Ooh, you seem fine. Yeah, what are you talking about you're like an emotional. Uh, are they called Bobbies? The guy who stand well, in front of the-, the the Overton window of my emotion is 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 that like you can get you know you get given a Netflix special and so you're filming it. It goes great. It's a huge deal, and I'm oh good, and then you know something uh, your friend died. Oh, okay, it's like. Are you talking about that's what people's expectations are or that's what your experience is? That's kind of how, that's how I present. It's yes. not how I feel. I feel overjoyed and I feel sorrow, but I think I present fairly. Yeah, steady. Yeah. You're like the guy who stands in front of Downing Street. Mm. The soldiers who won't, the fur hat yeah. and all that shit. My panic attack story involving Jimmy was, so it's fairly laborious in terms of how I started having them. Had started having them two weeks before three mics and then I went, on Zoloft after that they stopped and uh and then I'd stopped taking Zoloft again I'm in London with Dave Chappelle and J- Jimmy's there uh at came to the show it's Dave's show and I go on stage here's what happened Trevor Noah had told me that people in England just heckle freely as like part of the show so i i'm like fuck it's the same theater i think he did and i'm like i'm like and and cena dave's roman was like hey you got to go out now and i was like what and then i go on stage james and jamila are there and i do a minute and i can feel the i'm getting tunnel vision can't breathe can't think and i was just like yeah mm, hey jimmy Come, come on out. And I go, Jimmy Carr. And he goes, they're very happy to see you. And I go backstage, catch my, it's once I, it only takes about 40 seconds to but clear my body. But it, like, I don't know yeah. time. Yeah. Of course. And then you brought me back out and I did a good set. So, yeah. but it was like, it was kind of unfortunate, but I could tell. It was like tag team, tag team wrestling. Yeah. Um. So, so I understand panic attacks. Now I take a beta blocker and they, I, I get none I, before I go on stage. Oh, right. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I, I kind of don't like medicating. I, I, I kind of not like, I like to feel my feelings. I like to kind of go, okay, well, I'll, I'll feel that. And I, as long as it's not really bad, like I got beta blockers one time when I got canceled, I got, uh, I got some beta blockers. It was the, the, the tax thing that I had like in 2012. Jimmy's had two scandals, taxes oh, and, uh, and, uh, ma- and a- many scandals in between. Not all of them make it to the States. Got it. Okay. I get, I get canceled about about every two years. There's there's an incident. Great. Uh, normally a joke, which is fine, you know, because yeah. you've got to right size. I told a joke. Some people didn't like it. Yep. That's kind of okay. Uh, but when it's a big thing, the tax thing really felt like, oh, this could be not an existential crisis, but this could end your career or could change it. And I got beta blockers. I remember taking one the first day. I think, oh, okay, everything feels all right. And they just had them as a as sort of a talisman. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, they're there if you need them. 
don't need them. Right, but Weirdly, you'd rather, yeah. I use Downton Abbey. Go I think on. it has the same effect as Valium. It's a very chill show. Yeah. Nothing shocking is going to happen. I found it very calming. So what you do you watch? Kind of, hadn't watched episode? any of them. Hadn't watched any of them. And then watched those like for like 10 nights in a row. Watched the season. I just really found it very kind of grounding. I don't know why, but sometimes it's like that thing of like, what are you going to go to when you're feeling like going? Well, people use, use comedy that. for that. Yeah. I think a lot of people use comedy for that. Okay, so what are the, you wrote anxiety disorder counterfactuals. What does that I mean? I spend my life, like when I wake up at four in the morning in a panic attack, partly it's the physical thing, but, but and that's gone now. How did you really get rid of it? I, I think having kids had a, had a huge effect on that. So, so there's something more important than you in the world, and that changes your outlook on life um, just in a very positive way for me. I mean, I really wanted kids. I was really excited about the prospect and then it's you kept saying it's delivered get me pregnant yeah and so. it's it was so hard on those walks um the the uh it was it's 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 like i mean it really feels like it's that that thing where you're not the priority anymore and it's that last stage of uh growth where you yeah go, well okay it's well, your, I don't, oh i'm not a big deal okay yeah it's like you don't worry about it. But you do. There's a there's almost like the the uh you know how the big bang, you can still hear the sound from the big bang in space. They they there's, oh, yeah, there's yeah. a rumble from it. There's a low level rumble of anxiety with having a kid that no one talks about. And it's the counterfactuals. Like I'm not worried about falling off a cliff, I'm worried about jumping. I'm not worried about let's see you spend your life thinking about things that haven't happened, won't happen, but you're constantly thinking about something bad could happen to the kid there, something bad. So every new- Is it all based on it happening to him? Everything with the kids is about something bad could happen to him. So every news story becomes a, well, what would you even do if that, if, if something happened? It's, it's, it is that thing of, uh, I can't remember whose quote is the, it's like having a medical procedure where your heart lives outside your body. That does feel what it's like. Do you ever worry about uh, dying and abandoning, abandoning? him stuff like that or you have yeah. two kids now but. mortality feels like it's a become a much bigger deal it just based on like i don't want to hurt him i yeah, if like I, I die because it's if, fine. You're, if you're if you die and you leave your partner you go well yeah I, i'd want them to be upset for a reasonable amount of time but please 10 years go love again i would say like anything over two weeks i'd be thrilled like honestly i, I you should find someone else she's super funny. oh i don't want her to not find someone. super funny super great give it a, give it yeah. a couple of years but warren zevon keep me in your heart for a while that yeah. song sums it up beautifully think yeah. of me occasionally great but the but now with kids you oh my god you've got to make it through for them yeah we just talked before about having a kid and what's been yeah you're a, one of my many friends who's had a kid and loves it yeah Tell me more about loving it. I think it's the it's tickets to the greatest show in the world because it's like uh, an, uh, uh, the emotional experience of like that bandwidth that I have of like the joy to sadness. The idea kids are so you, when you're with them, you're I'm not great at meditating, but when you're with kids, you're in that moment with them, and there's nothing else, and it's kind of phones away, and you're just kind of you're playing with them, and it's incredibly fun to see the world and talking about a show where you're invested in the lead character yeah pretty big yes like the investment that you feel for your kid is and and getting to know them like you have the baby and everyone's obviously thrilled with the birth and they oh there's a kid and it's great it's healthy and lovely and then you get to know them and everyone with one kid is a nurture everyone with one kid will tell you well 
we used oat milk and this kind of special soother and the, these nappies. And so obviously he walked at nine months. Everyone, when they have two kids, goes, oh, they come out with factory settings. They, they just, they are who they are. So we, you know, it's, they're different and they're, yeah. they've, got, they've got their own sense of self. And you sort of see glimmers of that, even when they're sort of one and a half. You sort yeah. of see this person. It's just, it's based uh, on their taste, movement blinking all how they stuff? are with you how yeah. just how they how they interact with not you. speaking even not speaking like pre pre-language you can tell who they are as a person it's great i mean i couldn't recommend it e- okay so did we i think we covered the eating disorder yeah we we're both pretty i think we're on a similar tip on that i'd say there's not yeah when i just ma- i get mad all of the things i eat that that are over a certain amount hmm. are they just go to my stomach and love handles and it's so it makes me so aggravated. So that's what a lot of my like controlled food stuff is. It's like, I know where you're going. So yeah. I have to keep it around a weight uh, past that weight. It's just like, and it's, it's wrong. It's an injustice. It really is just like, this is wrong what you're doing on my body. So I just have to keep it within a certain, you know, we won't get into the weight, but, yeah. but, uh, but, so mine is a justice issue. I think it's you know we were talking earlier about you know there may be too many people talking about mental health on podcasts. I don't know if there are. I don't think men are really the talking male about... eating disorders are totally on. I we talk about it on here, but like for the most part, I never see people talking about it. Hmm. I think maybe it's holding a mirror up because we're on TV, we're on podcasts, we're, uh-huh. and we see ourselves. I think increasingly everyone is seeing themselves. I mean, remember that thing when we were kids, we were told. The people of native South America think if you take a photo, it steals your soul. And I remember at the time thinking, oh, that's some nonsense. Yeah. And now with Instagram, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah, it does. It's, it's not one photo. It's two million photos. Mm-hmm. It's every photo you've ever seen of yourself. So you have this perception of who you are that isn't really you. You never get to see what effect you have in a room when you come in and you're 3D and you affect it. By the you way, you don't get 2D. it when you're looking in a mirror. It's a no. reversed image. It's yeah. you ever sometimes they'll have flip mirrors or whatever yeah. they're called, and you see and you're like, oh, that's yeah. different. Yeah, it is a weird. It also is be everything's a beauty contest because of Instagram and or some kind of contest. Which is as a person that's already competitive enough, it's like I don't want to participate. Yeah, over there, there's a great book by Will Will Store called The Status Game. Mm-hmm. Did you read that? Yeah, uh, I bought it and haven't read it. I, I've it, read a few other a great, status like books, about that yeah. weird thing about like what that, that force that's going on sort of through life of like you're sort of comparing yourself to other yeah. people and how am I doing and the work all is my find. You work more than anyone I know. Yeah, yeah, maybe probably. Kevin Hart's got you, but like I think probably has. But but the like this year was 300 shows, which is that's a lot, and it's difficult to. It's difficult to justify because you kind of go, well, you don't need anything, but it's the enjoyment of doing it. It's partly that thing of like going, this might not last forever. Is and there an 20- Iron Man element of it? Like I can do, I can do 300 shows and they're all good. Yeah. There's a, there's a bit of proving something to yourself. There's a bit yeah. of kind of going, well, look, if you write the show, that feels like the tough bit to me, writing the show, going mm-hmm. and performing it is a pleasure. Yeah. It's a joy to do. And it's slightly different every night and you mess around a bit and yeah. it's always an enjoyable experience to do the show. And the travel can be, you know, hard on you or whatever, but I, I I love doing it. I mean, it's that thing of going, and I think I get to spend more time at home than most parents. How come? Because I work nights. Right, but you, how long were you in Australia? 
but the kids came to Australia. Okay. So great. it's that thing like the big trips, they come, you're never away more than sort of 12 or 15 days would be kind of the absolute max you'd want to be away and then you'd be home for the same amount of time. When I'm home, I'm home. So when you're home, you're around till, even if I have, the UK is so small, if I'm gigging in Britain, you could, I could leave the house at 4.30 and make it to Manchester for a show at eight. You've got great trains, we've got great transport system, drive back afterwards, be up with the kids in the morning. Yeah. It's, it's like if you Look, if you, if Caroline's fine with it, you're yeah. fine with it. What's there's yeah. no problem. But I think there is that thing of going. There's a there's two things going on. There's one is um, uh, safety. Is there a bear going to attack us? Do we have a roof over our head? Do we have enough to eat? And then one is scarcity. And I think the scarcity thing is like, do we have enough? If it all finishes tomorrow, do we have enough? And I think the reason one day there will be a trillionaire is because for some people, 100 billion wouldn't be enough mm -hmm. because there's a scarcity thing. So I think there's a bit of my mind that goes, oh, you need to, don't turn it down. Are you going to put in a new tour? Yeah, of course, we're going to play everywhere again. Of course, you're going to go to all those places. Of course, more, more, more. And um, do you keep an eye on that? Well, no, because I mean, it's, it's, it's very joyful. It's like traveling yeah. the world as well. You go, I can't complain about it. I mean, it's like, I really can't complain. It's like, A, I chose it. And B, like the idea of going, I did 50 countries on the last tour. 50s are... Like that's, you saw the world. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Right? And you had your whole day free. Hanging around and then seeing at, stuff. And, and, and you get to meet interesting people and ask them interesting questions because you're doing a show that night and you kind of need to know, you know, whatever bizarre thing it is on that tour. Where are the sluts from? You need to ask. That's often the thing. <laughs> or, or what's the local town? Where would you, where do you think the inbred people are from? <laughs> yeah, it's yes. often the, and they've always got an answer. There's always, all oh, these guys. Yeah. God, I'm yes. just there last night. They said you guys. I like when there's, four people and they're all pitching their own like well they are those people are <laughs> super inbred yeah the the i will say that i feel like you've changed in the time i've known you you've kind of grown or your values have kind of the other good thing about the amount of free time we have is like we can think about it we can think about like what am i doing there's more there's more self-reflection time Yes, I think so. I think if you're, if you know, if you're working two jobs and supporting a family or whatever, there's not a lot of time to be, you know, it being well-read is a, a massively privileged thing. Yeah. You've got the and, time for that. Um, yes. So the idea of going, yeah, I think I have changed and grown, but I think that's, you know, my favorite question. My, like, if you sit next to someone at a dinner and you don't know them, what, what was the last thing you changed your mind about? Always a great question. Always very interesting to kind of go, well, what's the, are you just rearranging your prejudices? If, if you have the same views you had when you were 25. If I can ask you what you think about abortion, and from that, I know every other opinion you will have. Like, ah, it's kind of not exciting. I like it when people are like, uh, What are you on the fence about? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what, what, what do you, Peter Thiel has this question, which is, What opinion do you hold that would be very unpopular? Yeah. Amongst your crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in yeah. the world. It's, it's, right. it's really interesting. Oh, okay. That's. And when do you, what's too crazy? Yeah. Where it's like, I think we need to open our minds about what to do about Down syndrome. You know what I mean? Whatever the, whatever the thing is that you go, it's... But that's why I think free speech is so important because if you take away free speech, you don't know what people are thinking. And that's more dangerous when it bubbles up. If you don't talk about stuff openly and people don't feel like they have a voice, then it bubbles up in very strange ways. Yeah. And these unexpected you know, shocks to people happen. Mm -hmm. You know, people are shocked by, I don't know, whatever, Brexit yeah. or Trump or the level of anti-Semitism in the world now is, is, you know, genuinely, it's like, it's a huge issue and it's always been there, but it was, people didn't talk about it. People yeah. didn't engage with that. 
which yeah. is you know it's dangerous. Free speech is, I think, massively important. Yeah, I, I yes, uh, but I have a longer explanation. Like with it, I I believe in limits. Whatever, it's the wrong podcast. Uh, we'll go on Rogan. Right. Um, yeah. So I would like to say that I you're a a great friend. Uh, you're a fucking hilarious guy. You'll pitch jokes. I, I feel I feel guilt right now for not being funny enough on this podcast. Like I always feel like it's a different side of yourself you're showing on these things. But like, ah, oh, it's not enough. Okay. It's, but you know what I mean. It's like you. Yeah, I'm used to doing it. So, and I also like trade in confession. Like that's sort of my three mics and blocks is more but the, confessional. But the, when you watch three mics and when you watch blocks, it is pretty joke to joke. Mm -hmm. I mean, like there's maybe more joking than you think. Yeah, I mean, even blocks like the the end of blocks, which is great. But like right up until the like it's right up until the last moment, you go oh, funny, 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 funny. Okay, yeah. An emotional close. Yeah. Which you absolutely earned. Right. But it feels like. But I earned it by jokes in a weird way. So it's like, it is, I, I agree with you. Mm. But there's, I, I would, per, I'd like you to be a little, emo not even emotional, but like what you said of no one would believe most of your true setups. Yes. No one would believe like I'm insecure. They'd be like, what? Like I don't, I'm, I'm against you. I don't buy this but premise. I think, I think again, that's a, that's another big thing in the world at the moment where you go, I'm not self-authored. I can't tell the world who I am. They write we it. We have to make an agreement. Yeah. It's, it's a mediation. Everyone, your sense of self is a mediation between you and what the world thinks. And the thing again, the world orders stand-up comics. You get on there, tell some jokes, do your thing. And then, you, you know, earning out, like there's a couple of longer bits in the next yeah. special, which you've seen. And, you know, longer bits, which are more confessional, which are yeah. more kind of, you know, open. And it'll go that way a little bit more as I, as I yeah. go. But still, my love language is one-liners. By the way, I... You sent me the special and you, you'd also directed it. And I think I was a little stingy with the praise yes. on directing. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> because I've directed, because I, because I came, I come from writing and directing. So if, and I'm so, so much more impressed with being a comedian and having a persona and having a great career. So you were like, what about the director? And I was like, ah, I don't care about it. I was like, you're Jimmy Carr. I don't care that you can direct, but I know it's a new thing that you've done. And I should have been more, I shouldn't have dragged you into my point of view. Well, no, I mean, the thing about the direction on it was, I think sometimes stand-up specials can be a tough watch because it's three shots on repeat. Yeah. And I, so I wanted every camera shot to be moving. I wanted everything yeah. to feel like it had like a natural, and it also was moving at kind of 92 beats a minute. Like mm. felt like it had the the same energy as, as, what was, as what I was delivering and was constantly, you know, moving. I, yeah. I just think it's that thing of like, you're used to watching that in every other genre. Yes. And stand-up is quite, can be quite, yeah. okay, I'm wearing that. Uh, what was your great line about? Um, it's Bo Burnham's line. Uh, so good. A, your t-shirt is basically the production design. <laughs> <laughs> like instead of lights yeah. and uh, 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 dynamics and, oh. and curtains and da, da, da. He's like, it's your shirt. We're here most of the time. So yeah. it's just your shirt. Yeah. Um, but having a bit more movement in it, whatever. I think it's better. I, I think it's the best no, thing I've done. I, I agree. The, but yeah. I'm just saying like, I didn't, I was aware in the, like shortly after the moment. And, uh, and I, that's why I. But I think there's a tendency sometimes when you go, to not say it because you think the person doesn't need to hear it because they're a, so you yeah, go, like well you're he Jimmy knows Carr. he's a safe pair of hands yeah. he knows he has you know two hours of great jokes but you go that thing of when we send each other the new stuff it's always that thing of going oh, wow. 
Yeah, no, I, yeah. so I apologize for that. And I oh, now I, I give you the compliment now. Um, the compliment would have meant nothing if we weren't recording it, by the way. I would have just been... Well, no, it's, you would have forgotten immediately. Yeah, of course. Um, this what, was great. The, anything, this we, is, anything you wanted to talk about that we didn't talk about? Yes, the Blocks podcast and the... Uh, I don't know how long this is going to run for, but I hope it runs forever. I've so enjoyed it. Uh, it's it's great. Thank it you. It really feels like... And it, kind of every time I listen, I go, I should watch Blocks again. I love doing it. So, and again, oh. it's your idea. So you're enjoying... I, re- I like the basking in reflected glory. I've had to do absolutely nothing. And I've got so, like, it was basically an idea for a podcast I wanted to listen to. And I've so enjoyed listening to it, especially, I think some of the people I didn't know their comedy that well. Yeah. So I listened and then went and watched two specials off the back of it, which I kind of think is the perfect way because you're so much more invested post this show. Right. Going and watching clips of Carrot Top and going, oh, it's a fucking good joke. Yeah. Like whatever the thing is that you go, yeah. I wasn't aware of his work particularly, but you listen to it and know who he is as a guy. And then We're, we may it. be going to Las Vegas together. We'll go see him. That'd be great. So that's the mm. new Brennan promise. The U2 carrot top double. We'll see if we can get him to open for them. I mean, I, I think they got to be open to it. They, yeah. I believe they... They should open for him? That's <laughs> something. <laughs> he should do the sphere. Yeah. Um, explode. I mean, please. Um, all right, buddy. You're, the, you're such a great guy. You're such an important figure in my life. And I, uh, I, I'm, I love you. And it's now it's on film. Okay. Well, I, uh, this is awkward, isn't it? No, I, <laughs> I, I love you right back. I love you. This is great. Fantastic. Okay. God bless. Jimmy Carr.